Welcome to Femaling, the weekly podcast where we dive into the relatable everyday stuff us modern women all experience. I'm your host, Nicole Goodman, and I'm a certified women's life coach. I believe that now is the most exciting time to be a woman, and yet we are more stressed out than ever before. So here at Femaling, we unpack all of the complexities that life today offers us and gain insight and hopefully some calm into what can feel like a very conflicting time. In every episode, I'm joined by an incredible guest and together we look at how to find peace and humour and authenticity in all that we manage. They bring their absolute wisdom and honesty in relevant topics and I try to do the very same. So for more information and updates on femaling, please come and find me over at Instagram, Nicole Goodman underscore life coach. And if you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button and kindly leave a comment. On today's episode, I am joined by mindfulness expert, Joe Kay, aka The Breathe Academy. And we talk about the power and necessity of mindfulness. Jo founded the Breathe Academy in 2016 to not only support people to create a life they love, but also to provide tools for us and our children and to equip us all to deal with the increasing demands of 21st century living. This chat is incredible. I was moved throughout. She shares with us her story and how she got into mindfulness and how it plays such a key role in her life. Joe teaches us on how to bring just that bite-sized piece of mindfulness into our everyday lives. So sit back, relax. This woman has the most soothing voice, and I know you're just going to enjoy this episode as much as I did. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Femaling, and today we are going to be talking about mindfulness, and I am joined with the gorgeous mindfulness expert, Jo Kay, from the Breathe Academy. Welcome, Jo. Thank you. Um, So I've done a quick intro about you, but if you could just tell everybody listening who you are, what you do, and how you found yourself in the world that you are now in. Uh, Where to start? So um, thank you very much. I'm Jo, as... as, um as we've heard from the Breathe Academy. And I, um, I teach parents and teachers and carers and individuals a bit about mindfulness. So um, my journey started from a really young age because I grew up in quite an unconventional household. And that included having a dad who was searching for for a deeper meaning, I think, in his life. and uh, I'm laughing because my kids are going to probably say the same about me now. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I, I was really grateful for it, actually, because from the age of about 11, he was introducing alternative medicines to my life, Bach remedies, and... Um, and that was really out there. <coughs> Back, this, we're going this is the 80s years or something. Yeah, yeah. So that was really... Really, like, there. people thought I was a bit mental really <laughs> I don't really like that word sorry but you know yeah. people really thought what's she doing like right. what is this stuff that she's taking and whereas my mum would always want to take me to a GP my dad would want to take me to a psychic surgeon so you know wow. we I had a really kind of varied upbringing and my dad would take me along to retreats 
as a teenager with him, um, with this lady who was essentially a psychic who did these incredible weekends where you really delve deep into your own psyche. And this was as a teenager. So I was taught meditation and, um, and I, and I, I don't know if at the time I really appreciated it. Yeah. But it was, it added a kind of another dimension to my world. And now I'm listening to you and I think, God, how lucky. Uh, like, what a gift at the yeah. age of, what, 16, 17, or however younger. old you were. Younger. Yeah, younger. To have those tools yeah. available From to you then. Such a young age. And my sister really followed my dad's footsteps. So she is now a, a shaman who works with plant oh, medicines. Wow. Yeah. Um, she changed her name by Deepol to Rebecca Shaman. So she completely and utterly followed his path. Um, I mean, my, my dad hasn't worked formally for 25 years because he's been on this journey. Yeah. And she too, I mean, she, she does really well as a shaman, but she, you know, is un completely unconventional. And, you know, whereas my brother became a lawyer and my mum works in northwest London. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, like, so I had a, basically a foot in both camps. Okay. And it was brilliant for me because it showed me there's a much broader world outside of northwest london where i grew up yeah and when i went traveling at 18 i went to somewhere called the arts factory in in australia and ended up discovering yoga which was very awakening for me because i had lived in my brother and sister's shadow for many years they're three four years older than me and it was the first time i felt like i was emerging as my own person. Oh my God, sorry, that happened at 18. 18. You were emerging. I didn't emerge until I was 40. So congratulations. <laughs> it's still going, doll. It's still going. It's a process. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it was just the beginning. Um, and then at, um, when I was 19, I did the Landmark Forum. Oh, I And that. the Advanced yeah. Forum. Yeah. Um, I was living in New York as a nanny at the time. And the dad was really heavily involved in it. And right. he really encouraged me to do it. And again, it was another opportunity to start to see my story of... So for the people that don't know what the Landmark Forum is, how would you explain it? Uh, it's the Landmark Forum is a course that one goes on. People don't really hear about it because they don't market themselves. Yeah. You only ever hear about it through someone you know who's done it yeah. and wants to kind of pass on the gift. And it's a really intensive way of shedding the onion layers of your yeah. life, of your story, of who you think you are versus who your inner essence really is wanting to be. And by the end of the course, very often people feel very liberated yeah. from their story. And it's three days, isn't it? It's three days, and then I did an extra four days on top. So did two... Yeah, so like, did I. The advanced... Oh, I got totally... Yeah, yeah. Line and sinker, I loved it. And actually, I went in as one person, and I came out as another, in both. Yeah. And I'm pleased that you brought that up, because it was thanks to the Landmark Forum that I went on a completely different direction in my life and found coaching. It's very rare that people don't come out of yeah. something like that and reevaluate what's important to them and what makes them feel good about their life and then act on it. So was that a poignant moment in your life after Hugely. the Landmark? Hugely. I mean, for me, the most, the most important thing I remember doing, I mean, bearing in mind I was only 19 and my life experiences were limited, um, my story was I, my brother and sister always bullied me, never included me. I was always the youngest and never part of the family and blah, 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 blah. And I remember writing this out. You meant to write out your whole story yeah. and then cross out. You had to read it over and over and over again to a partner and cross out all the bits you realized weren't fact. Yeah. And hmm. all that was left was I have a brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I let go of so much of my kind of teenage years where I'd aspired to be more cool like my brother and sister and have friends that were as cool as my brother and sister's friends. And then suddenly it was like, wow, actually, 
it was all just a construct. It didn't. It wasn't real. It was and just it was still a in story. my head. It was and it's funny because I put a post up about this yesterday, and it's a story you make up in your head, yeah. and it's not true. And it's not true. And actually, what I said in this post was just in order to get out of the story, just really recognise what is fact, hard, cold fact, and what isn't, because everything else is totally made up by it's us. just pure interpretation. Yeah. And then actually, what that does is filter our life. So everything we experience is through the judgment of our story. Hmm. Yeah. And what we can't see is what's actually happening anymore. Yeah. We can only see it through the emotional lens of what happened. So, yeah, I mean, at 19, I'm letting go of my story. I mean, wow. quite amazing. I, was, I mean, I feel very blessed to have had that opportunity. And then in my 20s, I, I must admit, I mean, I went straight into the corporate world. Had loads of fun. Um, really wasn't a kind of particularly relationship person so didn't really have any long relationships in my 20s but I hit 29 broke I was getting more kind of going to more weddings obviously and I had (laughs) gone for a job that I'd gone for it purely for the salary which I'd never done before because I always worked in the charity sector and I was skint and I needed the money and I went for this job in healthcare PR and essentially it destroyed my soul I mean it was that kind of job where you're thinking this this it was it jarred it was so against my value system wow but I couldn't really I I couldn't really identify that I didn't realize that's what it was that hurt so much um but you just well how did it manifest what happened well what was happening was I was so I was living in um a flat a girl's flat and like renting a room it was the for the third time I was asked to leave because a fiance was going to be moving in and they didn't want to a roommate and it was like oh my god I can't like I had to move back home again I was commuting out to Rickmansworth from from a cool part of London I was in South Hampstead at the time and, <laughs> and for those and of you that don't know Rickmansworth it's, it's fabulous it's beautiful, there it's gorgeous very leafy and suburban yeah, and but very at pretty 28 29 but yeah. you don't want to be no. I didn't particularly want to be leaving London um to, to you know spending my days in Rickmansworth um Lovely place, but, yeah. <laughs> Not um, for you as yes, a single no, young woman. No, exactly. And, uh, and I was skinned. Right. And I, and, and I, and I was stuck. Okay. I was really stuck. And I, I'd broken up with this guy who, you know, in hindsight, I'm very blessed that we broke up. But I, I felt very bereft. Oh. I felt really stuck. You know, for me, all I could rem- imagine was there was a train. And all these people were having this party on this train. They were married or they were engaged or they were living in a cool flat or they had a great job. And I couldn't get on the train. I, wow. didn't, know, I didn't know where this, the platform was. I couldn't even find the platform. And the train Ooh. felt like it was pulling out the station and, I, and yeah. it was disappearing. And I, I didn't know how I was going to get what on the train. an amazing metaphor. <laughs> it's an amazing metaphor. <laughs> it was metaphor. so hard. It was like, and I tried CBT. Yeah. And, and after about four sessions, I'm like, oh. Oh, it's not for me. It was just too slow. I just like I want my life to change. Yeah. I'm ready for a change yeah, now. Now, <laughs> I'm quite impatient. Sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm like okay. I, I've identified I'm stuck. Yeah, I've identified I'm in my own way. I've identified that I'm an emotional roller coaster, and I blame everyone else right at this stage of my life for it not working. And I knew deep down that that 
I needed to re-evaluate what was important to me and rediscover myself. So quickly, quickly. <laughs> so I did the one thing that everyone does under yeah. the circumstances, and I did a ten-day silent meditation retreat. One thing that I thought you were saying you were going to go got really blind drunk. <laughs> Probably a bit of that as well. But so you did a meditation I did a vipassana. Wow. Yeah, okay. and I'd feel I've been thinking about doing it for a long time. My sister had done it for years. Yeah. She'd done many of them. So it was quite a common theme in your life, and it wasn't like it wasn't completely completely out there. No, I'd looked right. at doing it. In the past, and it, you know, these things happen when they're times right. Absolutely. Exactly. So go on. So what? So I, did it, I got myself happened? booked onto the January two thousand and seven ten day vipassana, and we drove there. My sister did it. She was serving, so that was really lovely. I wouldn't have spoken to her because it's a silent retreat, but I knew she was there, and I knew she was cooking my food, and I knew I'd see her occasionally. Yep. And I went there, and literally all I could imagine for myself is this is my sledgehammer to to crack away this illusion I'd created of who I was pretending to be. So you were, you still had this awareness at this yeah. age of 29 yeah. that it was all an illusion yeah, anyway. completely. Because that's that quite conscious for a 29-year-old, right? Well, I think that was part of my landmark, my, uh, landmark yeah. and my, what my dad yeah. had got me involved in. Yeah. And also, I'd, I'd been really exposed to my dad's... Um, going to lots of different talks and I'd gone with him to all these different gurus and in the end I knew it was all just the essence of the heartfulness it was all just oh. humanness and oh. and then luckily for me I and didn't have to go searching because I knew it was all in me and you okay so you knew that that's where the the answer was, was but you couldn't, couldn't access hear it. it exactly got you I had a great bullshit radar right can I swear on this? you have it's fine sorry <laughs> maybe cut that bit out uh, because of my dad so I knew I, I wasn't I wasn't going to start reading books and going to gurus because I knew it was only me that had the answer oh my god how amazing and it was hard I mean 10 days of silence where you were really properly going right who am I what am I yeah what do I offer this planet yeah. what's the point of me uh, how can I best serve common humanity? How can yeah. I best be the? How can I be the best version These of myself? Are massive, massive questions. Yeah, and I and I knew that if I didn't solve it in those ten days, yeah. I mean, not that I put myself under huge amounts of pressure, but not if I hadn't have served, uh, solved it in those ten days, I d- genuinely you, don't know how you were going about it. Done. Well. Yeah, I really was. So I did the vipassana. tell us. You tell us you did. Well, I'll tell you what happened. It was amazing. So I did it in January. And then I was, I remember afterwards just feeling a sense of calm I genuinely had never experienced before. It gave me a sense of self. It felt like I'd literally come home to myself. How did you know you'd come home to yourself? I felt at ease. I felt less reactive. That was a big thing for me. I was very reactive. I was really emotional. Yeah very teary very emotional person felt very sorry for myself a lot of the time a bit victim mentality a little bit kind of um why isn't it happening to me kind of sense even though I knew I was in my own way that I felt really heavy and I suppose I felt lighter when I came out physically because a lot of what Vipassana does is reconnect you with your physical self your body and um, it just so happened that a couple of weeks later, I met my husband. <gasps> literally, you just give me goosebumps. Literally, because that's not it. Does those things don't just they happen. don't just happen? I think the difference this time for me when I met him is I saw him, oh. and I don't know had I have done the vipassana, had I not have done it, whether I would have seen him in that way. Yeah, because so you he wasn't my type. Okay, but he was exactly what I'd been looking for. Oh. But 
I didn't know the package didn't come as the package net you know you don't the package doesn't always come as you expect it to come but I saw I felt him in a different way than I'd ever experienced connecting with someone before because because I was connected with me gorgeous yeah and he had just come out of a, a marriage and he was really ready to get it right this time so we met each other like totally we were just very blessed and open and ready so you've now done this retreat yeah the sledgehammer has done its work it did you get married you have your girls yeah and how did the mindfulness then play out in your everyday life well it was what's interesting is I didn't carry on practicing believe it or not I felt really at peace so I didn't feel I had to which was which was fine up to a point yeah and then I had two kids very quickly close together 13 month age gap and I really, and we moved house and various other things happened. And life, I, life, life happened, happened and yeah. I was broken. I really, I, I was exhausted physically. I mean, to have two babies that close together physically is really demanding on the body. And my second child, as adorable as she was, just loved to cry and cry and cry and didn't sleep That's very adorable. Much. <laughs> I uh, love how you packaged after that. After three months, she smiled and that was that. But Aww. for the first three months, and of course the older daughter didn't sleep either. She climbed out of her cot almost immediately. She was a real monkey. So, so you were exhausted. exhausted. Okay. And I, and I was trying to get back into doing work. I was trying to because I'd got made redundant. Okay. I got made redundant on top of, all that. On top of that. Yeah. When she uh, when the, the second baby was about three months old. So I went to do projects, and I'm thinking all this effort it takes to get out of the house of a morning to find childcare to <clears throat> to leave my kids with someone else. I've got to love what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, it's got For to sure. feel like I'm. And I and I went to hear Ruby Wax speak. She released a book called Same New World, and this is in 2013. And she's talking about this eight-week program and something called mindfulness. And I'd never heard the term before. I was a bit behind the curve, I think. And I'm listening to her talk. Well, you caught up. I've caught up. <laughs> I've got goosebumps. You know, when you think, yeah. oh, my God, mindfulness, what's this? What's she talking about? And, and she's talking about this eight-week program, how it helps to reconnect with the body and how it helps you to feel more in tune with yourself and more in your you know aligned with your inner wisdom and I'm like that's Vipassana I I was like this is bizarre this sounds exactly like what I went through so I went to speak to her afterwards I was really excited I remember I could barely hold it together and I said I said what you're talking about sounds like Vipassana she goes oh it is it's insight meditation it's the same thing and I'm like what so you can teach it in an eight-week course she said yeah it's the MBSR the mindfulness-based stress reduction program she said it's basically the equivalent to doing a 10-day Vipassana. I actually think I cried at that point. Because for years I've been saying to people, yeah. you've got to do a Vipassana, yeah. it'll change your life. And everyone looks at me like, you're mad. Well, yeah. Of course I'm never going to sit a, in a silence day for 10 silence. days. <laughs> yeah, because that's a really extreme version <laughs> yeah. of it, isn't it? It is. It is. So the next day, got my computer open, MBSR training how do I train to be an MBSR teacher but what I love is what you've just pointed to is the when you had those goosebumps you cried you had such a strong physical reaction to you finding something that was speaking to your soul yeah basically yeah and that's that's too strong to ignore right they're the things that we need to chase in life it was it was you know they say the light bulb moment for me it was pure that purely that and it was it yeah it was it was almost a relief Oh, it was almost yeah. a relief. It's like I found it. 
<laughs> when I was doing my coaching course, because you sign up to like, there's five different modules and you can sign up to them separately. So I signed up to one, you know, one foot in, one foot out, wasn't sure. And I sat in that classroom for three days and I sobbed. I, I could, it was almost embarrassing. I couldn't stop crying because it was... And at the end, the leader said to me, how did you find that? And I said, it, this is my, it's a homecoming. I came yeah. home. Yeah. And again, I'd been yeah. searching. I'd been yeah. so uneasy and just, I, there wasn't rest in me um, for many years. And all of a sudden, I'm sat in that classroom like, oh my God, it's here. And again, so I relate so much to those goosebumps and that feeling of just being so emotionally yeah. relieved that you have found something that speaks to your heart totally funny enough I can really relate to that because I started my training quite soon after and I remember we were in a circle and they asked why I was there and I sobbed I couldn't even say oh, what had brought me there need to. I, literally I mean I am quite an emotional person but um it was really it was really strong I couldn't speak I actually couldn't speak I couldn't articulate how grateful I was to be sat in that chair, sat in that room and about to embark on that journey. It was yeah. so, yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, life affirming, shall we say. So tell yeah. us now, like, now what do you do and yeah. how do you teach and bring mindfulness to others? So I'm, I'm, I started my um, practice as in my train, my teaching in 2016 and I, I had trained to teach this eight-week program, and I now teach um, parents. So I do a specific eight-week program for parents, which is still the MBSR, but because the whole group of people are parents, it means that we can really discuss the issues yeah. of the, or the challenges that come up with parenting. So, and it's a really supportive community. Lovely. It feels like a you know by the end of it, we're a group of people who really have shared. And, and supported each other and helped each other to kind of get through this parenting journey. Um, I teach uh, individuals, so I do an evening eight-week program, the MBSR. And, That's um, the one I came to. This is the one, one you came, came to. Yeah. And it's always in East Finchley, yeah. um, although I am starting one at the Mindfulness Project, which is in Fitzroy Square in central London, mm. and that's in June. Um so I'm really excited so, so to So if that. people want to come, let's say they want to delve into mindfulness, but they're not sure, yeah. they can come and do these courses with you. They can. I often do taster sessions, yeah. which are only an hour and a half. So you get to meet me, get to get a sense of my approach, and to um, just hear a bit more, bit, bit more about what mindfulness is. And a lot of people, once they come to a taster session, will tend to sign up. Um, I, I do three-hour workshops as well, um, often in, mostly in East Finchley. And I go into corporates, so I've worked a lot in different companies. MNC Saatchi, I've done a lot of work with. Um, and that's usually a six-week course at lunchtime that I do with um, people in the workplace. And it really makes a massive difference. Well, it, it does make a massive difference. Can I tell you where I struggle with mindfulness? And I don't know if... I mean, and I love mindfulness and I totally buy into mindfulness and I believe in it and I know that whenever I do practice it, I feel much happier, healthier, calmer, all of those things. But I do struggle to make time for it. And I'm probably not alone in that. Would you mm. say that that is mm. something people struggle with? Mm. 
I wonder if we should go back a couple of steps and go explain on. what mindfulness is, just oh, for those who idea. might not know <laughs> that's what it is. That's a good idea. We missed that and one. And then I can and then I can weave in what you've just okay, asked me. Okay, please. Um, yeah. So for those that don't know exactly what mindfulness is, um, there is a there is a really basic um, definition that John Kabat-Zinn uses that I always like to use because when we break it down, it helps to explain it. So mindfulness is is essentially paying attention in a particular way and that is using all of our senses because our senses are always happening in real time you can't remember something you've tasted necessarily yeah and you can't imagine it so much it's it's never going to be as strong as the actual experience of tasting or touch or smelling or hearing so we use our senses to support us to be present so it's paying attention in this particular way using our senses but it's on purpose Mm. so it has intention because when we pay attention to our experience we're much more likely to see more clearly what's actually happening rather than filter it through our conditioning when we're stuck in autopilot and not really present to our life so it's paying attention in a particular way on purpose um and it's non-judgmentally that's a big one it's a really big one because so much of our life is made up of the judgments which we talked about at the beginning, yeah. which are based on our conditioning yeah. and our story. And that's not to say we're not going to be judgmental beings, because of course we are. We have to judge what's safe, what's not safe. But it's when we start to really listen deeply to our judgments, we realise that we're constantly evaluating. Yeah. We like it, we don't like it, we want it, we don't want it, without really always giving it a chance. And we're constantly judging ourselves. Well, this is my back to my point to yes. what you were saying. So... We are really, our self-critic is really quite, you yeah. know, strong. We, as human beings, we're habitual creatures. And we're very good when we practice something regularly. So if we really practice being very self-critical and we do it on a regular basis, we're just going to get super good at it. Yeah. If we get good at picking the stick up and beating yeah. ourselves up, yeah. we, we'll just get really, really good at that. Every woman is good at that. Every, uh, yeah, every, every human being. Single... It's a human condition, yeah. 100%. So, a I mean, lot of not to out men on this, but I think women are slightly better at it than men. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. But also, we take on more roles very often, so we have more excuses to beat ourselves up for failing because we're trying to do too much. <laughs> and that's another story. But yeah, what... but well, hold on, because when my husband looks in the mirror, he's going to kill me for saying this. When my husband looks in the mirror, he literally sees an Adonis. Doesn't matter if he's put on a stone or lost a stone or whatever he's wearing. He he's practiced that though. He he's got really good at it. Yeah, he has got he's really good at it. He's practiced it. We, and if we practice that every day, we'll get good at that too. And it's just habit, isn't it? It's just habit. Everything we do is just habit. And everything we tell ourselves becomes a truth. Well, where you, um, where, whatever you think will determine whatever you feel. Yeah, and then determine your reality. Yeah, and where you, where you, where you put your um, attention determines what your experience will be so yeah. coming back to your point about making time yeah. to be mindful to meditate yeah. to, it comes down to self-care yeah so a lot of the time now self-care is an external experience looking our best yeah. uh, going to the gym yeah um and not always with a view to our well-being mm-hmm. and so it's a big shift it their aesthetics you mean maybe. exactly yeah. it's an external yeah looking okay so but that's not really what self-care is i don't think that's not what i part of it but but when we're talking about well-being and self-care 
we have to make the decision to make the time for ourselves yeah. to take care of ourselves because no one else is going to do it no and we will always have a reason to do the laundry to do the dishwasher to to do something else <laughs> of course we will yeah and that's where mummy guilt comes in mummy guilt that we are you know the house is a mess or the kids laundry's not done whatever but if we don't make that time to take care of ourselves, we will not be the best versions of ourselves mm-hmm. for our kids and for the, our loved ones. And they will feed off us because we are the hub of the home. Yep. So actually, self-care and taking or making time for ourselves is the fundamental basis of how to be the best versions of ourselves, how to create a more harmonious home connect with our family because we've connected with ourselves yeah. and that can only start with that can't it it can only start with us connecting with ourselves so that we can connect with everyone else yeah. don't you think if we if we aren't aware of our own stress or our own uh tiredness or our own resentment or frustration impact the if we're not aware that this is having an impact yeah. on us and we're just plowing on yeah. it's gonna it's gonna seep out you know yep. the kids will know they know it they know they and they will play up the amount of times when I'm in like yesterday I don't know I just had a really happy I mean I'm generally a happy person but yesterday I was in a really great mood and my kids were so well behaved and we got on so well we had so much fun together now that's not coming from them that's 1000% coming completely. from me and if I'm in a ratty grumpy mood and I'm screaming at them Yes, that has, a, that has a completely different impact on the entire but house. It's okay to be in a ratty, grumpy yes. mood. As long as you're aware you're in a ratty, grumpy mood. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> you yeah. acknowledge that that's where you are. And you make the choice to do something about it if you can. Yes. It's when you allow yourself to be in that mood, but you don't take the necessary steps to soften the edges or to take yourself off for a minute. To yeah. take care of yourself, yeah, and Lovely. to answer your needs, because usually, when unless it's PMT, and then forget about it, because nothing you can do about <laughs> PMT. PMT for three weeks of the month. I mean, tell me about it. <laughs> I just tell Adam everything. Oh, I'm premenstrual. He's like, again? Yeah. You can't be again. I know. Yeah. So you know, there are some things we can't change, and and actually, those are the ones that you know we need to kind of be more accepting that sometimes we're going to be in a bad mood. It's all right, you yeah. know. But it's when it's... And that, and that comes down the to the judgment as well, doesn't it? So if we're to not then judge ourselves for being in a bad mood, because that is part of the human experience. Exactly. And we do get into bad moods and we do get grumpy. So, and I love that you've brought that in because actually we, we don't need to judge that. We don't then need to beat ourselves up for being in a bad exactly. mood. It's just going to make it 10 times worse. Exactly. It's another stick to beat ourselves yes. up with. Yes, pick up another stick. But in, unless you actually acknowledge that... There are potentially options out there to shift out of a bad mood or to soften the bad mood or to to do things that we can, you know, there are ways that we can take care of ourselves so we are less likely to get into a bad mood. Let's put it that way. So this leads us very beautifully yeah. into will you give <clears throat> us a few very bite-sized tips yeah. in how we can actually bring it yeah. into our world because... 
after I did the course with you, I will be honest, I don't do the 45-minute meditations, and I was always very honest with you about that. I found them quite difficult to not even make the time, but to just, yeah, make the time. Um, but there are certain things that mm. I really... Like this morning when we were driving to school, and I said to the girls, oh, my God, look up, and everything was so sunny, and the sky was blue, and the trees were really green and they're like oh gosh it's going on again but it was really beautiful mm. now I would have missed that had I not have done your course you're going to look at my Instagram post I just posted just before you came which is a picture of the trees and the blue sky saying this is my favourite view look up and out look up because it out. helps with perspective beautiful. so that's the first one you know yeah, when the body is tired <laughs> yes this is called an informal mindfulness practice yeah. so you know, and there's huge value in doing that because you're only seeing that in the present moment. Yes. You're fully present. You're not running through your day. You're yep. not upset about a conversation you've had. You're not berating yourself for something. You're simply in the moment looking up and out and appreciating this incredible yeah. world that we're living in with all its faults and issues. We can but still choose to Every, see the yeah. beauty everywhere. Yeah, I love that. And it's a bit Neil from Young Ones, for those of us of a certain generation, but... <laughs> It's, it doesn't matter. It's, a, you know, it's, it's okay to dwell in what's beautiful and what's okay because that's what feeds our soul. We are human beings that need to know about the natural cycle. To, of, of, yeah. you know, to need, we need to connect to nature. Yeah. It's really important for ourselves yes <laughs> yes you know this is and not it doesn't, just it didn't it doesn't take away no, from anything you're in the car i, I mean, mean it's the car, not like you've gone into the woods exactly so. it's not like i'm wasting time or i'm supposed to be sending an email which i'm not sending it is i'm in be a present to be moment. present in that moment yeah. and that comes back to on purpose doesn't yes. it you've yes. made that intention and you're creating that habit of remembering to look up yeah. and out because so it's perspective out. as well yeah. isn't it when we're feeling tight constricted you know sometimes we can feel quite overwhelmed by our thinking sometimes <laughs> and it can make our body quite tight our lungs yeah. quite restricted yeah so in the act of looking up and out you know letting our shoulders drop down and back mm-hmm. opening our chest we're both doing we're it both by doing the way it. for the record um it allows us to feel a sense of expansion and spaciousness which can really support us to broaden our perspective and to feel more uh, alive and more, you know, part of something. Mm-hmm. So just that simple up, out, and, uh, you know, breathing deeply into the lungs and allowing the ribs to expand can really help. Okay, thank you. So another one um, is really simple. So for those that do the school run, this can be a really interesting time because... There's never enough time in the day. Can we use it also if they're uh, commuting to work? So commuting to work. At any point that we are walking. Okay. We can choose, going back to on purpose, we can choose to tune in to the sensations of walking. So what I mean by that is we are walking knowing that we're walking. So instead of walking, planning the email that we need to send going over yeah. a meeting we've just had, yeah. uh, worrying about a situation, whatever it is, trying to solve something. How often when we walk in, we're trying to solve something. We choose to create a little bit of space in our thinking mind, pockets of space. And we do that by tuning into the body. 
Because a wonderful fact I learned is that you cannot physically or physiologically, you cannot feel your body and think at the same time. I mean, this if I take one, took one thing away and I took many things away from your course, this was massive because any time I want to quiet my mind, I just think, okay, what what am I experiencing physically now? The visceral experience. The visceral, and also because that also never lies, it it just is. Yeah. Whereas our thinking mind it's still, yeah, the body, yeah, even if it's activated, yes. it's there's a stillness. And it just there. is. Yeah, there's no denying it. Yeah. there's no making up a story. It's very grounded. It. Yeah, it, you know it. When we're feeling really overwhelmed and heady and lost in our thoughts, our body will bring us back because it's grounded, it's present, it's making contact. And it's wise. Our feet. And it's wise. It has so much wisdom. So much The wisdom. brain, when it tries to solve something, will tend to just repeat and repeat and repeat. Yeah. When we go into the body and we feel the body, so we're going back to walking, literally feeling our feet making contact with the floor, even if we only manage three steps before the mind has being distracted again even those three steps might help us to see more clearly our solution because sometimes the mind needs just a little bit of space to see more clearly beautiful and also it can deactivate any stress reaction we're having if we tune into the body and then combine that with up and out yeah. you've got quite a big yeah you're happy clapping you're near from the young yeah, ones yeah <laughs> and what you're doing is you're trying you're you're dealing with the transition so Letting go of wherever you've come from so you can fully meet your child. So when you see your child, you can look them in the eye and just hug them. Hmm. They don't have to say anything. Because you've gained your presence. Because you're there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you're not, right, let's go, okay, I've just got to write this email. Um, or even, even you, know, if, you know, coming from the train, for example, walking into a meeting. Like yes. you've shaken off the train. And you're in the meeting, you're fully present in the meeting. Or when you have a coffee, it doesn't matter. Actually, any, wherever, wherever, wherever you are. And also, but it, it's a, it allows you to give the gift of human connection. Because Beautiful. at the end of the day, all any of us ever want is to be seen. Yep. You know, think back to when you were a kid. I also like to be heard occasionally. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because, yeah. you know, that was not very often. Seen and heard. Yeah, of course. Seen and heard. We acknowledged in some way. Yeah. And the best gift we can give to the people in our lives is to listen deeply, to be there, to be present, to to truly care. Yeah. And, we and can actually, only do that from a place and of you presence. Can only do that when you're present, when you're not activated and you're yeah. not overwhelmed. So, that's a really helpful one that can be done. Um, Another time we tend to live very much in autopilot. So walking and driving are really yeah. authentically like autopilot yeah. zones. So great to know that and yeah. great to know that you can make that intention to step out of autopilot. The other one is eating. Mm, now you're talking. <laughs> so how, you know, my, people say to me very often, oh, I don't really have time to be mindful Wow. It doesn't take any extra time. It doesn't does take it? any extra time. That's the Obviously, annoyance about it because you can't even put no that excuse on it. Yeah. So mindfulness is simply paying attention to our present experience, whatever is going on, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. It's about relating. How do we relate to our present experience? And what we tend to find is when we do pause to tune in, we might just find we can savour it that little bit more. We might see things we wouldn't normally see. We might taste more than we would have tasted. So well, for anyone that's done the raisin exercise yeah. or heard about it, 
most people report that when they eat the raisin, it blows their minds because of the taste. Some people I'm sorry, I have to share something at this stage because me and my husband came to your course and we did it together. And my husband is the least likely person to do a mindfulness course, but to his credit, he did, he came with me. And when we did the raisin exercise, I was really, I was more conscious of how he was taking it rather than what my experience was because I just wanted him to love it. And when we got in the car, I said to him, we might have done this on session one. Yeah, I'm not sure. Session one. It's session one. Yeah. So I said, what did you think? Did, what did you learn from it? He said, I learned that raisins make a strange noise. <laughs> and I thought, actually, that's so lovely because his attention yeah. was so focused yeah. on this tiny little yeah. shriveled thing. Yeah. And he found out he noticed something different. Yeah. And that's being present. Yeah, and that's it. It's as simple as that. It's really the thing about mindfulness is it's super simple. There's yeah. no, there's no wizardry. There's no, it's it's totally secular. There's nothing you need to learn. There's there's no mystery, but it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. So and it's a practice. It's a practice, and like like I said, we get good at what we practice at. So going back to eating, we have the choice every single time we sit down to eat or stand up to eat <gasps> to. Yeah observe the fact that we're eating to acknowledge the fact that something is about to go into our mouth smell it if we wish listen to it if we wish ultimately <laughs> to taste it if you take nothing away you'll know yeah, that yeah. raisins make a very interesting noise <laughs> they squidge they do yeah so but really to taste the food and if you want to take it a little bit further yeah you could actually cultivate a bit of gratitude Aww. for the food to say oh you know, I'm very blessed to have this food on my yeah, plate. Yeah. Where's it come from? Yeah. Even further back, you know, how many countries has it travelled through to get to this plate? What processes has it gone through to get to me? And how is it going to nourish my body? And the reason I say that is because the best antidote to feeling like our life is failing in some way or that we're failing in some way or yeah. that life isn't quite how we imagined it would be and to manage our disappointments in life is to cultivate gratitude. Beautiful. And food is a great place to start. Because if you're lucky enough to have food on your plate, then you have a reason to be grateful. Yeah. Not everyone on this planet, not everyone in England is lucky enough yeah. to have that. Yeah. Some people don't choose what gets put on their plate because they have to go... It's getting a bit heavy now. But, well, know, I always say when, I someone's, when someone's having a really hard time, like if they're in the midst of stress or a panic attack or whatever's going on for them or they're quite low... I would say this is this is the time to really practice gratitude for the simplest things mm. because it allows us to pay attention to them because Absolutely. we were so busy not realising it before. So the fact that our eyes can open and we get to see all the stuff that's around us. Yeah. We have air in our lungs, our legs walk, our, yeah. le our body allows us really to What's really interesting about that is you ask anybody that's had an illness yeah. and recovered, yeah. even if it's just flu. Yeah. So for the first yes. month... All they feel is gratitude. Yes. Or they're not in pain anymore. Yes. But it wears off. I know. So what this practice is, is just that continuation of that gratitude. But I have to be honest, when people are overwhelmed, stressed, things aren't going well for their life, it's the hardest time yes. to practice. Which is why making time to practice when your life is okay is what you need to do. Mm. So you have a practice in place mm. for when... The shit hits the fan. And you've already exercised that muscle, so to speak. Exactly. It's you've developed that habit. You've yes. developed that practice. So you know what it... You know... You've got it to fall back on. John Kabat-Zinn calls it weaving the parachute. 
So every single time, both informally, so in everyday life, every, t- every single time you come back to the present moment, so looking up at the trees, tasting yeah. the food, feeling your feet on the floor, you're putting another stitch in the parachute mm. that you are going to be relying on when you need to jump out that plane when things yeah. are getting difficult. And there will be times where you do. Life is diff- yeah. Life is unpredictable. Yeah. We don't know what's around the corner. We have to... It, this is a preparation as much as anything else, as well as an opportunity to feel more joyful, mm. to step out of autopilot, to stop living in the present. What am I doing next? What am I doing next? What am I doing next? What's next on my list to achieve? Or leave a, living in the past. What we should have done, what we could have done. You know, Bruce Lee says this brilliant quote, under duress, we don't rise to our expectations. We fall to our level of training. Wow. So this is a training to prepare us for when... For the fight. For the fight. But for those days we're in a bad mood. Yeah. And everything feels too difficult. We're wading through treacle. Really overwhelmed and anxious. Which we all get. Of course. Absolutely. You know, I've just contributed to this new app called Nourish. And it's got the most incredible tips on there for well-being. It's got nutrition. It's got aromatherapy. It's got yoga. It's got intention practices. It's got, you know, I've got some three-step breathing spaces on there, which I can do here with you today. And I would highly recommend people just even download the app because sometimes we need... Uh, some guidance we need help with this yeah and it's okay to have to ask for help it's yes. really important to do that it's really interesting that that you say that because I always find it fascinating that we're having to teach ourselves how to live simpler we we never used to have to do this 20 30 years ago my mum didn't have to sit down and breathe or to find presence or to be grateful for her food mm-hmm. but now the life just the way society is run we do we have to put these things in place and I think the earlier you start yeah and it was interesting what you said before we came on air you said that uh you can't get the younger group of people Mm. to come on a course Mm. it's kind of my age group Mm. yeah Mm. yeah we need to be encouraging them they need it as well we all need it yeah yeah because you know with mental health issues coming through anxiety is almost like expected it you know People in their 20s are experiencing huge levels of anxiety. And I think that's partially a disconnect from nature. Yeah. I think it's partially a, a, an over um, kind of uh, emphasis on the external, you know, the selfie culture and um, <laughs> yeah. kind of the appearances. Yeah. So we've, we, and also the breakdown of communities. <laughs> you know, we don't have the support structures we had 20, 30 years ago. And we are lost in in social media to some extent we get easily distracted we're not as able to focus and pay attention and it can mean that we you know we 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 feel a sense of um short-term ups the dopamine hits from social media but longer term lows is this we're on it's like a roller coaster of highs and lows and we haven't taught ourselves how to regulate our emotional well-being at all and that's what this does. This allows us to notice when we're down and to kind of activate the parasympathetic nervous system to support us to kind of feel more at ease within ourselves. And that's really important. 
Joe, I could listen to you forever. And I feel maybe I'll just move in here. And then everyone, I'll bring my kids. I mean, we'll have a good, you can just chill them out. And I can just sit in a corner breathing. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. The She's like, no thanks. Um, unfortunately, Thank we have you. to stop it here, but I could speak to you forever. Oh, so I really, truly so hope. Thank you so much for you... the opportunity to oh, share. And will you come back on? Yeah, I'd love to. Because we can talk forever. But obviously, all, I've got free meditations on my website. Great. So, if, you know, at the Breathe Academy. So if anyone wants to try a meditation out, they're quite gentle in my voice. You know, have a go, see how it goes. Or so they can touch. find you at thebreatheacademy.com? Yeah. Uh, uk, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and where else can we keep up to date with what you're doing? I'm on Facebook as The Breathe Academy, on Instagram as The Breathe Academy. Right. So, um, and feel free to get in touch if you want to know more. I can, you know, I, I, I love to chat to people about it. And I'll, you know, I, I do a free intro session, taster session. So, you know, one-to-one you want just get in touch and, and see where where we can take it thank you and we need more people like you doing this work in the world so that we can stay connected as human beings absolutely so thank you for thank that you so much how wonderful is joe did you enjoy that you absolutely must have because I could have spoken to her all day. I find her such a wise old soul. She just absolutely calms me. Um, I really hope that you got something out of that. I know I did. She has promised to come back because she wanted to take us through a breathing exercise, but sadly we ran out of time. So she will come back. I absolutely guarantee it. And for all my other episodes, I release them once a week. We're in series two now. Just head over to my Instagram page where I'm always updating you on what's happening. Nicole Goodman underscore life coach. And if you do like femaling, please subscribe and please, please leave a comment. That will really help femaling to stay alive. Have a wonderful week. As always, thank you for your time. I'm always so honored that you bring your time here. And I really hope that you go away and breathe and just pay attention up and out that's what she said isn't she up and out